From Odyssey, I'm Lauren Berry, and this is the On Deadline podcast, where we take a closer look at stories from our radio newsrooms across the country. Today, On Deadline is looking at the possibility of an expanded war in the Middle East after a drone strike killed three U.S. service members in Jordan and left dozens injured. The deaths from the strike, which occurred over the weekend, are seen as the first U.S. casualties in the war between Hamas and Israel. And as it continues and spills into other countries, many are wondering if the Jordan attack means the U.S. will be drawn deeper into the conflict than anyone first imagined. Officials believe the attacks were from pro-Iranian militias, but they're still working to determine exactly who launched the drone and from where it launched. In the meantime, the Middle East conflict is becoming multi-pronged for U.S. forces. On the waters of the Red Sea, the militant Houthi group in Yemen, which is backed by Iran, has vowed to continue its strikes on vessels and U.S. warships until the war in Gaza ends. On the Lebanon-Israel border, the militant group Hezbollah has also continued to be involved in confrontations. Now, following that deadly drone strike in Jordan, the United States has vowed to take action. That's after weeks of avoiding getting involved beyond strikes against the Houthi in a coordinated effort with the UK. On Sunday, President Joe Biden said that the nation shall respond to the attacks, but that it won't be easy. The president will now have to walk a tightrope of avoiding sparking an all-out war while not letting a direct hit on U.S. soldiers go unpunished. CBS News military analyst Jeff McCausland joined Odyssey to discuss the president's next steps. Do you suspect that the Biden administration will order more strikes as well? Because we've gone through so many different presidents who had the opportunity to retaliate but didn't. Well, that's exactly right. You know, in a couple of cases, we had U.S. bases being struck during the tenure of uh, President Trump, and he didn't respond at all. In this particular case, the United States has already responded a number of times to these attacks, but there have been over 150 attacks on U.S. forces, both in Iraq as well as in Syria. And I expect we're going to see a large-scale response. In fact, there is some information to suggest that may come very, very soon. Now, what that attack will look like, I think, can be measured in two different ways. One, in terms of the intensity. In other words, is this a multi target, multi-day sort of air campaign that will use an awful lot of aircraft, an awful lot of ordnance, um, number one. And number two, the geography of the response. Will we strike targets only in Syria? That's where this particular missile emanated from that struck Jordan. That's probably the lowest area for escalation because the area that Jordan they operate in is, if you will, a kind of a no-man's land, not controlled by the Syrian government, controlled largely by these Syrian Kurdish groups that we are in support of as we've been trying to ferret out the last elements of ISIS in that area. Or do we strike targets in Iraq, which you've done in the past? That has strained U.S. relations almost to the breaking point with the Iraqi government, who've complained about us conducting strikes on their territory, not notifying them in advance. And we've even begun negotiations, which I think eventually will lead to the withdrawal of U.S. forces, even prior to this most recent attack. Or will we do as number of several senior Republican congressional figures have suggested, and that may make a major attack against Iran. To do so, obviously risk the possibility of this escalating into a regional conflict then that could stretch from Iran all the way to the to the Mediterranean Sea as Iran could respond in a number of ways, encourage its proxies across the region, Hezbollah in Lebanon, the Houthis in Yemen, Hamas, of course, Iraqi groups across Iraq and Syria to attack U.S. bases, U.S. vessels, etc., all across the region. Iraq, Iran could also probably shut down or at least slow the export of oil through the Straits of Hormuz, doing a major damage to the 
world economy, and you could see oil prices crack $100, $125 a barrel pretty quickly. So somewhere in those areas are where the response is going to be calibrated. Clearly, the United States could also respond horizontally. Obviously, you could seek more economic sanctions, or we could do something a bit more creative, like perhaps seize this one ship the Iranians are operating in the Red Sea, we largely believe is providing intelligence to the Houthis for their ongoing strikes against commercial shipping. Of all the possible responses that you have just named, what are you most worried about? I'm most worried about the direct attack on on Iran, because I really think what the Biden administration has been doing is been trying to respond, clearly, trying to deter future attacks, trying to degrade, if not destroy, the capabilities of these groups, but not push this over into a major regional conflict, which could engulf the United States and bring us back in the region in a huge military way. But clearly the attacks by the Houthis against commercial shipping and some attacks they've actually conducted in the last several days against U.S. naval vessels, and now sadly the death of these three soldiers at a base in Jordan at the hands of these Iraqi Shiite militia groups backed by Iran raises that particular level of the possible possibility of escalation. Now the decision on what to do moving forward goes to Biden. But here, legislators are embroiled in Ukraine and Israel funding battles and a migrant crisis at the Mexican border. Biden is also dealing with a divided Congress and his own presidential re-election campaign. Among Republicans, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said that those responsible for the Jordan attack should face serious, crippling costs— with a biting quote about frontline terrorist proxies and their Iranian sponsors who wear American blood as a badge of honor. Republican Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas said the only response should be devastating military retaliation and that anything else would make Biden look like a coward. Among Democrats, there was a more measured response, but with the same theme. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer urged Biden and military officials to hold those responsible accountable. One thing is clear. Both sides agree the country needs to respond. Former U.S. Senior Naval Officer Gene Moran, who escorted U.S. congressional delegations for several years across the Middle East, joined Odyssey in L.A. to discuss what the appropriate level of response is. So uh, the latest, of course, is CBS News is reporting, uh, quoting a U.S. official, that the uh, drone appears to uh, have come from at least Iran in manufacturing, if not who ever launched it, but an Iranian drone. So I guess my question is that the White House has been saying for weeks now that it doesn't want this situation in the Middle East, sparked, of course, by the Hamas invasion of Israel, to escalate. Yet, as you know, the U.S. has been, we've been exchanging fire the past few weeks across the Syrian border, the Iraqi border, Iran. Isn't this already an escalation? There's clearly prima facie evidence that uh, we are in a broader conflict. Uh, If you consider we've taken dozens of incoming shots from a variety of sources across six countries, Yemen in the Red Sea, Iraq, Syria, Jordan, Gaza, uh, we are in a conflict. We can call it whatever we want, but we are now clearly in a reactive phase. Uh, It was only a matter of time before something slipped through. That appears to be what happened with a drone where the a watch team lost situational awareness, confusing an incoming versus an outgoing drone. Uh, this is problematic, and we need to call it what it is. This is a broader conflict. Yeah, you know, and, and I mentioned as we were, I was, as I was ticking things off, the, the places that we've exchanged fire with, I, I said Iran, but we actually haven't had any direct uh, confrontation with 
Iran. But is that what the next step has to be? Well, they clearly have a link to these non-state actors, Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis. Uh, Pakistan took a shot a week or 10 days ago into Iran. Uh, I'm, I'm not suggesting that we want to take on Iran directly, but they're not 10 feet tall. It wasn't that long ago that we uh, looked at the Soviet Union as the the land of 10-foot-tall Russians. And it turned out that that wasn't the case. We say the same thing about China, They're, how, how powerful they are. Uh, the U.S. is quite capable of dealing with this. We're just not articulating it clearly, what our strategy is and how we're going to go about it. But I guess I'm puzzled about, you mentioned, you know, when we didn't want to have a confrontation with the Soviets and the Chinese, but you were dealing in both cases with nuclear powers, right? Iran, as far as we know, is not yet a nuclear power. So why the reluctance? You make my point. I don't think they're 10 feet tall. And we are clearly capable of doing something about this on a in a more effective way. We've had this protocol in place for decades to be very careful and tender with Iran. We use economic sanctions, which of course were appropriate, but the game is changing. And we seem to be using shuttle diplomacy that might have worked decades ago, but it doesn't work in this environment. This is a slightly more sophisticated uh, set of third-party or non-state actors, mm. but, but the linkages to Iran are clear. We need to put that evidence on the table. Then there's this. With the ongoing conflict across the world, including wars in Gaza and Ukraine, the U.S. is getting closer and closer to being thrown into another war. How close is America to joining the conflict, though it once vowed to stay out of it? Colonel Eric Buer joined Odyssey to answer those questions and more. That actually scares a lot out of me. President Biden is vowing to hold the Iran-backed militant groups responsible, which he should. But, uh, Colonel, are we going to war? Well, the president, and uh, he's been saying those types of things for some time now. This isn't clearly isn't the first attack. Mm -hmm. Iranian proxies, whether it's Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, as we've seen recently, uh, and now uh, the Islamic resistance in Iraq, as they're calling themselves, attack U.S. service members and U.S. interests. It killed three service members, uh, unbelievably. It hadn't killed more. This is you know, the hundreds of attacks that have happened uh, since the 7th of October. Mm -hmm. uh, and U.S. really hasn't gone after uh, or held the Iranians accountable in any measurable manner. And so it just emboldens them. And this is clearly uh, an example of what happens if you don't really fight firepower with firepower. It's, it's just going it, to, it will escalate. Well, take us back a little bit and give us a little history. Why are the Iranians attacking U.S. service members? There have been 158 attacks, by the way. These three were murdered this past weekend. They were killed. Uh, but there have been multiple attacks. So why are the Iranians attacking U.S. service people? So the Iranians, it's, it's part of their, it's, and it's, it's their long-term goal is to have any U.S. presence, and Israeli presence for that matter, uh, completely stripped out of the Middle East in the in the region. They want to be the hegemon. They want to they want to dominate the Middle East, and they support Hezbollah. They support the Houthis. They support Hamas. It's the cheapest and easiest way to uh, for them to inflict damage on Americans and clearly Israelis. And Hamas were all trained by the, the Iranians. They're the Republican guards, uh, Islamic guards. So their their fingerprints are over everything. You know, small groups can't build and fly very complex, you know, unmanned 
uh, aerial systems. They just think they simply can't do that. So uh, it's clear the Iranians are doing this. It's clear the Iranians are escalating it. They're behind all of it. They've been by, behind it for the last two years now for uh, all the, the U.S. military presence, both in Syria and Iraq. Uh, and they've just become emboldened. And they know nothing's really going to happen to them. The U.S. has done some strikes very sparingly. It's under 10 that they've uh, executed. So, yeah, it's emboldening the, the Iranians, and they're only going to attempt to do more. Okay, so airstrikes and targeted missile strikes at the people who attacked us in Jordan, or you you mean in Iran? Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to think what the American response should look like and would look like, or is this an entree into a World War III? I, I hate to sound alarmist, but, you know, yeah. as you said, the Iranians have to be stopped, and they've gotten away with attacking us. Now they've murdered three American service people. So I just I don't know what can the president do without pulling us into an all out war? Great question. And these are very, very valid concerns. But a world war is not going to happen with the Iranians. The Iranians really they are certainly flexing their muscle now, but they're paper tigers. They're, they're flying 1970s aircraft that we gave them back under the Shah. In a day, you know, Tehran could be blackened with Israeli F-35s and F-16s if they wanted to. This could easily be escalated and the Iranians could be given a significant significant blow. But that would be, okay. uh, you know, again, raising the bar. So uh, World War Three, as they're trying to build a, you know, a coalition of their own, of the willing, and that's very fractured. Uh, the Jordanians, I mean, the Iranians have uh, enemies all around them. The Saudis mm-hmm. certainly are, as Sunnis, the Jordanians, the Egyptians. They're not going to support Iran claiming to have this uh, this coalition of this Islamic Brotherhood to fight the Israelis and the Americans. I, I think that's unrealistic. It is a bit of fear tactics. Those airstrikes need to smash into, in this case, uh, the Islamic resistance in Iraq, the same way they need to very, very definitively strike the Houthis, Hezbollah, and Hamas. Um, and mm-hmm. and their, their chains, their second-order effects of those, of who supplies them, where their drones come from. Just follow that food chain back to its source. It doesn't mean you're going to take this back directly to the Iranians now. But uh, when the Iranians don't have a way to exercise power outside of their borders, that's when they really begin to lose their power. And that's really what these targeted airstrikes would be doing, really minimizing the effects of the Iranians. We don't want war, but those who are behind this attack need to feel our response. That's what one U.S. official shared with Axios after the attacks. As Reuters reported, experts have cautioned that any strikes against Iranian forces inside Iran could force Tehran to respond forcefully, escalating the situation in a way that could drag the United States into a major Middle East war. While threats of war swirl around, the world is watching how the United States reacts on the brink of a red line. And no matter what we do, the Center for Strategic and International Studies warns that the world should expect a, quote, steady beat of reciprocal violence over the coming months. This show is produced by Joe Heady, Christy Strauser, Myron Kaplan, and Bill Smee. I'm Lauren Barry. Thanks for listening to On Deadline, Odyssey serving of a top news story just for you. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts. 